0: Because you've always taken such a charge.
1: You are listening to the Border Chronicle. Today the Border Chronicle is speaking with Dr. Alexander Tenorio, a neurosurgeon from San Diego, California, about the increasing number of patients he's treating who have fallen from the border wall between the U.S. and Mexico. Thank you so much, Dr. Tenorio, for taking the time to come on the Border Chronicle podcast today and talk about the types of serious injuries you're seeing and the impact this is having on families and on medical professionals like yourself. Uh, Recently you wrote an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times about the record number of traumatic injuries you're now treating. The Mexican consulate recently noted that 646 Mexican nationals were hurt or killed crossing the border from 2020 to 2022, saying the main cause of injury was wall related First, I'm hoping you can talk about your background and and how long you've been a neurosurgeon and where you work.
0: Thank you for having me, Melissa. I really appreciate it. I think it's a very important topic. Uh, I greatly appreciate your interest uh, in this. Uh, So a bit of uh, of my background, which I think is very relevant. Uh, My parents actually migrated from Mexico uh, back in the 1980s, um, essentially crossed the same border wall uh, of the patients that I'm um, now treating in San Diego. So I'm a, a 30 year uh, a neurological surgery resident in San Diego. Uh, and as a border city, we do get a lot of, you know, we get essentially all of the the patients that fall from the border um, and are uh, injured uh, and uh, uh sent to our hospital. Uh, so that that was you know given my background, um, seeing what my parents went through and what they've had to go through, that's what's really driven me to look into this uh what I consider now an international public health crisis um and I keep pushing for changes.
1: Yeah, and when did you first start noticing this increase in traumatic injuries and uh, what type of injuries are you are you seeing mostly?
0: In uh, 2020, you know, there were a lot of uh, patients, you know, of course we do treat just generally uh, given that I am a neurosurgeon, we treat spinal cord and traumatic brain injuries. And uh, within those, um, I, I believe in 2020 is when we started noticing a, a, a significant, a sharp increase in the amount of patients that were coming because of border falls. Um And, uh, you know, that's when we decided to start start looking at 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 the numbers. Um, And of course, we noticed, um, you know, we 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 published two studies essentially looking at the period before the border wall was extended uh, and uh, compared it to the period after the border wall was extended. So the border wall was extended. um, The project started in 2018 was completed in 2019. Uh, and then after that in 2020 that's when our you know post border wall period uh started and that's when we started uh when we looked at those numbers uh there was definitely a sharp increase uh, in the number of uh severely traumatic spinal uh and uh brain uh, injuries that we were seeing uh, uh at our hospital
1: right and and so what led to that increase was this in direct response to uh, expanding the height of the border wall, and when did that happen?
0: Yeah, so that's you know uh, uh, what we argue in our in our in our in our papers, and when I argue in my in my op-ed that uh, I strongly believe that you know we have data supported that this is a direct result of the border wall expansion. So before the border wall was expanded, um, uh, the 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 border height was from eight to ten feet. Uh, And then afterwards, uh, with the previous administration signing an executive order to essentially bolster the borders, it was increased to 18 to 30 feet. And uh, studies show that once you get above, you know, that low teens, 12, 13 feet, that's when you start seeing these severe, more severe injuries. Um, And that's uh, consistent with what we saw where um, now that the walls are now as high as 30 feet in the majority of border regions, We are starting to see uh, severely traumatic brain and uh, vascular injuries, which we, the cerebral vascular injuries are important to point out because we didn't see any before the border wall was was bolstered. Um, And unfortunately, these are the more uh, severe injuries that leave patients, you know, either unable to walk, talk, you know, recognize their family members, um, uh, or function independently. Which, of course, you know it's it's just astonishing what what we're seeing now, and uh, it's there's no other way to put it because looking at our studies, we control for everything, we control for migration rates, we control for referral patterns, and it still shows it's still consistent where if the only thing the only variable that changes is the height, those those increase in injuries are still there.
1: Yeah, and what's a particular case I guess that stands? out to you as being maybe typical for what what you're experiencing and and what you know when you're talking to your patients, why are they choosing to to scale the wall and you know um, why 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 are they coming?
0: yeah, so thank you for uh, for that question because uh, it's actually also a very relevant or uh, a point of why i wanted to pen this op-ed um and advocate for these patients because uh you know i'm a native spanish speaker and i have a deep connection to this population given my background so i do speak to these patients you know just about their lives and back in their hometowns it's not just mexico it's central america as well in south america even uh and uh you know a lot of these patients uh, there's two points i want to make one of them is the the conditions that they're dealing with at home that I I don't know that most people are aware of is either violent threats, um, unlivable economic conditions that they just cannot endure anymore, or political turmoil. Uh, And that even goes, you know, that uh, um, has a profound effect on me because my family left due to violent threats in their hometown. So that's still occurring. Um, and that's one of the major reasons why people are coming here. And an important point, second important point to make is that they actually understand and they've heard of the new in, new injuries that are occurring because of the increased height of the border wall, but they just don't have another option and they're willing to take those risks just to escape their conditions. So that should tell you about the horrific conditions that they're that they're trying to escape. Um, and uh, you know, the one of the more memorable, I guess it's it's very common, but it's memorable for me because it could very well have been me as the 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 individual that I speak about in my op-ed. It's a 30-year-old uh, Mexican uh patient who uh, of course fell from the border wall um and ended up serving suffering a severe uh spinal cord injury. Uh and speaking to him. You know, he mentions you know it was too dangerous for my family and myself. There was just no way that I would be able to stay there, um, and uh, that's just a, a you know one of the memorable and, uh, uh, encounters that I had. And unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common.
1: Who? What's the typical uh, age group or that you're that you're treating mostly?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, p- patients from that suffer border falls are in the middle age group. So. I'd say 20s, 30s, 20s to 40s are the typical age group. It tends to skew male, but it's, you know, across all, all ages um, and genders as well.
1: And I guess it's worth noting that with Title 42, people haven't been able to cross, right? They they have been stuck over in Mexico increasingly. I mean, of course, now there's a CBP One app, which doesn't really work. And so there's just this increasing uh, feeling, I think, of desperation. Um, that is I would imagine leading people to to make this decision, because, like you said, they really don't have any good options or choices that they can choose from,
0: yeah, and uh, in one of the uh, the, uh, the papers that we we, we published uh, the, 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 the the one addressing spinal cord injuries, we do uh, make a point that title forty two uh, we feel that that had a significant impact. On these border crossings because a lot of these uh, a lot of these migrants it just ends up where they have to uh, uh, take uh, essentially they can't they don't have the legal option anymore and what happens is they come over they get sent back, and then they try again because they don't have a safe situation to go back to so it ends up where it has uh, the impact of patients crossing over, trying to cross over multiple times, increasing the risk of injury.
1: Right. And, um, and you mentioned you, you see not just Mexicans, but also Central Americans, um, percentage wise, I guess, do you mostly treat, uh, people from Mexico or what other countries are you seeing in these injuries that are happening from the wall?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I still, uh, off the top of my head, feel like the majority are from uh, Mexico, but we are seeing increasingly people from, you know, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and people from uh, Central America.
1: And what are the long-term impacts of these injuries and what do they mean for the families and for these people who who suffer these falls and yeah. what will happen to them in the future?
0: Yeah, so it's very, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, I mean, it's tragic in a way where it's so common now for us that we sometimes i feel like sometimes uh, we forget what the long term consequences are since we you know we come in treat as a neurosurgeon we treat emergent conditions right um, and of course follow them throughout their hospital stay but a lot of these patients you know it, it's it, for people that you know might not see these injuries that common they're not able to walk sometimes they can't use their, either four limbs or their legs depending on where the injury is um, and uh that's with spinal cord injuries with severe brain injuries, a lot of them can't you know talk, they can't they don't can't recognize their family members. um and uh, you know, long term, you can imagine that, given their status, it's very difficult for them to even continue care even after we treat them. So for a lot of these, uh, spi- uh, for for example, for a lot of these spinal cord injuries, uh, which we also mentioned on our published studies, they had a 16% follow rate, six. So could you imagine just in the general population of only 16%? of the population followed up. That's after the discharge. They still need care, right? A lot of these wounds, they need follow-up care. There's a lot of complications that come with them, wound complications if they don't take care of them properly, making sure they get connected with the appropriate rehabilitation, right? So they could have appropriate recovery. So if only 16% of these patients are following up, I, I, I honestly don't know what happens afterwards.
1: And I would imagine these are... Typically, the primary providers for their families, right? So it has a ripple effect when they are, you know, paralyzed or incapacitated permanently for like the entire family, right, in the community that they were going to send money back to.
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, thank you for that question again, because uh, you know, it's 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 not the, just the impact of that individual, right? Um, and unfortunately, like I mentioned, a lot of these patients are, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s with families that they're caring for. Um, and with a lot of these injuries, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. So it's not just them, right? It's their, you know, wife or spouse, significant other, their children that it's impacting as well. Um, and, and, you know, with these injuries, with a lot of these injuries, they're not going to be able to do that any any longer.
1: Right. and And... I think it, uh, to, just to note that I think you'll hear in the United States, a lot of people say, well, why can't they just get in line and do it the legal way, right? But if you don't have money and you, you don't have uh, an extensive savings in your bank account or properties, you're never going to get a visa, not even a tourist visa to come into the United States. So for a lot of people with very few means, there is no option to come into the United States legally.
0: Um, yes, uh, that 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 is correct, and you know, thank you again uh, for pointing that out. Um, you know, I, it's it's like as I mentioned in my op-ed, um, I wish people would just think of it in a in a way that if they were put in that situation, would they really wait? You know, would they still make the same argument and wait in line, wait their turn? It's just the conditions that they're that they're that they're enduring in their hometown is not feasible. It's not compatible with, with life essentially. Um, So there's really, I, 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 I challenge them to think that would they still really wait in line or would they still, or would they take the same risks that, that these migrants are taking?
1: Right. And, and you would, I can also hear people say in the United States, well, then the wall is working as it's intended, right? It's supposed to keep people out, if they fall, it's their own, it's their own fault.
0: Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that that's a you know, f- from my standpoint, um with with my piece and with my studies, the the main point I want to make is it's you know, I I, I don't want it to, to make it a political stance or a political piece. Uh as a neurosurgeon, for me at least. It's the increase in the border wall heights that's leading to more severe injuries. And I took an oath to protect patients, to advocate for them, to treat them as best as I could. Um, And I feel like it is my duty to uh, uh, notify essentially the world of the atrocities that are occurring because of the border wall extension. Whether there should be a border wall or not, I feel like is beyond the scope of essentially what I'm capable of of. Um, and what my profession calls for. But I do feel strongly that the increase in border wall height has led to this humanitarian crisis and international crisis.
1: Right. And I imagine the treatment for for these patients must be long and expensive. As you said, there's not usually typically even follow-up. Who pays for the injuries? And are doctors and hospitals receiving a lot of pressure to quickly deport these patients back to Mexico? Um, how does it work once they've left the hospital?
0: Yeah, so um, the, the the way it, for the majority of these, there's you know there's um, charity care, uh, and then recently they've been able to apply under uh, emergency medical or Medicare. Um, and that's another important uh, piece of the work, and my op-ed as well, my published work in the op-ed, is the the hidden economic cost that I want to point out. Um, because for these hospitals, they apply for reimbursement, um, but of course, the what they're paying for the majority of times, they're not recuperating that. So it's called the reimbursement deficit. Um, that's the way they they put it. So. Uh, and this is all occurring in the background of the COVID-19 pandemic, which already pushed our hospitals, strained our resources, drained our resources, and pushed our hospitals to the brink. Now, with this border crisis, uh, these hospitals that are serving these border regions are just, you know, they're be, they're, our resources are being drained. Our hospitals are being, you know, built to capacity. Uh, we are taking less transfers. Um, and it's, it's in our, it's, uh, uh, with the data that we looked at there's been less interfacility transfers um and the main reason i believe is that we just don't have the resources or the capability of taking in more patients from other region, from other areas um now to the point of what what happens to them uh, afterwards um you know i i, I wish i had a, a, a the ability and the insight into what ends up happening. But unfortunately um, I do not have that information.
1: Is there a lot of, uh, I mean, in your op-ed, you, you describe, you know, one of the patients you're treating as being surrounded by border patrol agents. Is there a lot of pressure from border patrol to quickly deport these patients, you know, to get them stable and then send them back to Mexico?
0: Uh, You know, uh, From what I've seen and from what I've experienced, um, I can only speak to what, uh, um, you know, what I've experienced. And I I will say that, you know, all of these patients come with Border border Patrol officers. They are the ones that bring them to the hospital um, and they are there with them throughout their hospital stay. Uh, But I cannot speak to whether there's pressure uh, from them to treat them very quickly um, you know, when they're there, of course, I treat them and give them the, the 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 amount of attention I would give to my family members
1: and are they allowed to stay in the United States, or do they are they returned?
0: Yeah, so um i I'm not privy to that specific information of you know their long term uh, destination
1: mm-hmm. um. After after uh, publishing your op-ed, have you what kind of comments have you gotten, and have you heard from other uh, doctors like yourself who are treating similar patients with wall injuries up and down the border? Is this a an issue in other parts of the border, or is it mostly affecting the San Diego-Tijuana area?
0: Yes. Um, so uh, thanks again for that question. I have received, uh, you know, it's it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, my my op has gotten great exposure, which I appreciate My main goal is to get it to the attention of key decision makers in Congress and the current administration. Uh, and it is uh you know occurring in Arizona and in Texas and in New Mexico. Um, I'm currently working with uh, collaborators in those regions, um, and we are uh, working on a on a larger study looking at the phenomenon across border states, not just in San Diego and uh, Tijuana.
1: I'm curious, too, if Mexico is seeing something similar on the Mexican side in hospitals as well, with people falling on the other side of the wall.
0: Yes, yes. So there's um, that's something we've discussed with the Uh, The Mexican consulate and, you know, in their press release, they mentioned that they have seen a spike in injuries as well um, uh, after the border wall was extended, which, um, as I mentioned in my piece uh, and you mentioned, uh, I think it was greater than 600 patients between that same period that we analyzed 20. as you note, twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two, because the border wall was completed at the end of twenty nineteen, right? So during that same period, they've seen a, a record number of injuries as well.
1: Yeah, and and so you you saying you would like to get the attention of decision makers in Congress? So what are some things that lawmakers could do to to stop this type of suffering
0: and injury? So you know, one of my primary primary my primary call to action is. Um, uh, um just for a bit of background prior to that, initially, uh, President Biden, one of his main pledges was to halt these border wall expansions and policies that Trump um, initially uh, started. Um, and he initially signed uh, an executive order halting all funds for these border wall extensions um unfortunately more recently uh these projects have been approved to continue in um Arizona, Texas and here in California uh more specifically in Friendship Park which uh for people that don't know that's a very that's a symbol of our relationship with Mexico where people that are either deported or uh, uh, have families uh, in Tijuana. It's an open space. It's an open park where people from both sides of the border can meet. Now, uh, the latest information that I have is that they've started construction there of 30 foot barriers as well. There's construction uh, workers and equipment there on site, where now they will they will be uh, erecting 30 uh, foot walls there as well. So what I'm pleading for and what I am uh, fighting for is for President. Um, Biden or the current administration or decision makers in Congress to um, halt these extensions um, uh, given the consequences that I uh, have mentioned in my studies and op-ed as well.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean, we've had prevention through deterrence as a policy in the U.S. since the mid-90s, which of course, since then thousands of people have died in the desert, because uh, it's become increasingly difficult for people to cross with the walls and and the enforcement and ground sensors and everything else. And it seems now that these thirty foot walls are are yet another layer of uh, of death and injury added on to the thousands of people who are already dying in the deserts as they as they cross. Uh, what I guess what would you like? Americans to, I guess, take away from your experiences and from your work?
0: Yeah, so I, my main goal is to, you know, for the public to become aware of these uh, um, horrific injuries um, that are occurring that are, you know, the data backs it up are a direct result of the border wall being increased to 30 feet. um, And we need to take action essentially now. Because this is only going to get worse uh, given the continuation of these projects, and uh, from preliminary data that I do have of the most recent year, there will be a there it has been a record number of uh, injuries from Border Falls just this past year. Um, so it's only going to get worse. Uh, that's the primary uh, point that I want to make the public aware of. The second point um, that I want to make them aware of, which we've already touched upon, is why these patients are, why these uh, migrants are coming here. Um, it's not for trivial circumstances. It's just, like as I mentioned, uh, the violent political and econ- economic conditions that they are dealing with. Um, and uh, another uh, point I do want to make that you do also touch upon is that it is not just a local. Uh, phenomenon, like I mentioned in my piece, it is becoming an international public health crisis because this is occurring in Arizona and in Texas. And these patients, as I mentioned, are not just coming from Mexico, they are coming from Central America. So I do consider this uh, an international public health and humanitarian crisis. Uh, And I do feel an urgency to action.
1: Yeah. um I want to thank you so much for for taking the time to to speak with us at the of Chronicle. And you mentioned two papers, I think, that you've already uh, published. And where can people find those if they want to learn more about this issue? Um, and we'll definitely link to them on our on our site. Uh, but where can people find them?
0: Yeah. So the 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 first paper was on a uh, spinal cord or spinal uh, uh, traumatic injuries. That one was published in the Journal of Travel Medicine. Uh, and the second paper that we published more recently was on traumatic brain injuries. And that could be found at the uh, Journal of uh, uh, Neurosurgery.
1: Great. Right. And then you've got this one that you're working on now with border states up and down, you know, the wall. When do you think that will be released? I'm I'm looking forward to, yeah. to reading
0: this. So we are. Present, yeah, we're we're current. We're actively working on it. Um, you know, given that it is across states, there's a lot of, you know, uh, uh, formal uh uh channels that we have to go through to share all this data but i do anticipate and we are we are all working uh urgently to get all of this squared away and hopefully within the next month or two it'll come out
1: all right well thank you so much dr tenorio we really appreciate you coming on to talk to the border chronicle thanks so much
0: yeah thank you for having me uh and uh uh, and your willingness to discuss this important topic
1: This is The Border Chronicle, reported by Todd Miller and Melissa Del Bosque, based in Tucson, Arizona. This interview was edited by me, Hannah Gaber. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a follow, drop a review, and recommend the show to a friend. It really is the best way to help people find us. You can read and listen to more local border reporting and support Todd and Melissa's independent journalism on our website, theborderchronicle.com.